Hey everybody, it's James here from Warpline and you're listening to the Launch Podcast. So today's episode is actually a conversation that uh, myself and my business partner Dave had um, and we're talking about the concept of playing not to lose. Um, it's something that we both talk about together and it's something that I'm fascinated about and it kind of breaks down to that idea of when you've achieved or accumulated a certain level of success uh, in your business so you've accumulated um, so much cash so many clients you then kind of fear losing what you have and then you kind of put a pause on activities that are going to help you to move forward and continue going um, into the future it's a really interesting topic um, and particularly useful um, for anybody who is feeling um, a little bit fearful um, about um, losing what they what they already have um, something that I think is probably quite um, top of people's minds right now with the whole coronavirus uh, crisis so that's what we're talking about today let's get into it so it's really born out of the idea that um, when you start a business and, and typically most businesses are start with one or two, three people quite low and you are, you, you have nothing. So you are willing and free and more able to take more risk. So i.e. you'll take a risk on a logo, on a campaign, on, on making 10 phone calls a day. Um, you might borrow a little bit of money um, and, and you, you're happy to kind of go for it. So you're playing to win, right? Because you're trying to get momentum, get your business going. Now, the notion comes from the sense that the more you acquire and the more responsibilities that you get as a business grows, so as it goes two, three, four, five people, 10, 20, 50, 100 people, whatever it is, that you have the sense of much more to lose. So rather than continuing to play the game of actually trying to um, advance yourself, get out of the comfort zones and win and really take those risks that you would have taken without hesitation at the start of a business. Now you're playing a protective game. You're now I'm trying to protect my cash. I'm trying to protect this profit. I'm trying to protect this client, protect my staff. I can't do that. Not worth the risk there because what if I lose? So that's where this whole essence of um, people playing the game not to lose because they're more worried about the losing and what they'll lose than what they might win. And then typically what happens is when people overcome that, if they overcome it, because a lot don't, is that when they start to see that actually that's the thing that's holding them back. So when a company kind of gets to a point that it, it stagnates and it tends to repeat the same year over and over in, in profit, in revenue, in the work, the clients, everything else, it's generally that's a telltale sign of when a business has got to that point of where the owner, the founders or the leadership team have gone. Now we're playing not to lose. So they kind of stop that growth. They don't know they're doing it, but they do. And then you'll see those companies that kind of race past and keep going. And that's because they've got an owner or a leadership team or whatever that are just playing to win all the time. They're always, excuse my French, a little bit of balls out. They're going for it. Um, they will take the risks, they'll invest their money, they innovate, they adapt, they change, they evolve, they win, but they lose as well. And they're prepared to lose. So a lot of these firms, if they, if they, even if they lose 50, 60% of the time, they're okay with that because the upside of 40, 50% is much greater than the loss of that 50%, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it like, is it partly an ambition thing or is it like a 
fear thing because I guess you could have someone who's really ambitious but so afraid of losing what they've built that their their fear kind of overcomes the ambition like yeah, I think exactly right. I think that's what actually happens, mate, is that from being there myself and seeing it all around us all the time, um, yeah, that the fear outweighs the mm. ambition and the the resilience to go off and chase your goals uh, and to get where you want to go. Um, and we all have a ceiling, right? That's human nature. We have a ceiling. We have We have a ceiling of what responsibilities we can carry, what is acceptable to us in risk. Mm -hmm. um, some people take way more risk than others um, in different ways and all different manners and forms. But yeah, one outweighs the other because at the start of something, you know, even if you equate it to the dating game, you, you at the start of that first, second date, you've got nothing to lose because you don't really have anything. You're just out there being yourself and you, you go for it and you have a nice time. But, you know, two, three, four, five years, 10 down years down the line, you've got so much to lose if you muck up and get things wrong. So, um, we, we sort of in business tend to just rein it all back in and find that ceiling and then not break through, mm. um, which is a really interesting concept. And it's something I know I've suffered from without doubt. And then it wasn't till our friend Lorraine helped me understand that and see that, that actually it was me that was stopping the growth. It was stopping um, the, the moving forward because of my my glass ceiling, my my I'd hit my risk where I now I was just scared. Everything scared me now. Whereas two years before I would have gone, gone for it without hesitation. Mm. What about, what about like businesses that are kind of where they want to be? Cause people have different levels of ambition. Some business owners and entrepreneurs want to go and make millions and millions and millions. And some people want to make 80,000 pounds a year. And if you're at that 80 grand a year, do you, how do you make, I guess, how do you maintain that? Because on the one hand, you might have £80,000 worth of clients and revenue right now, but if you don't do anything to keep marketing and putting yourself out there, at some point you will have clients that drop off for whatever reason. So how does it, how do those kind of businesses kind of get around that or think about that? Because if they're playing not to lose, they could completely lose because they're not doing anything. And therein lies the point. So there's a quite a well-known phrase in business, isn't there, of if you're not growing, you're dying. And I know some people agree with it and some people completely disagree with it. I, I believe it's true in part. And to answer that, I think, mate, that when somebody gets comfortable, say, a day 80 grand a year, then what they spend their whole life doing is protecting their 80 grand a year. And that protection work is as hard as it is to turn that into 250 grand a year, Right. Because it's as hard to protect something as it is to grow it. And actually, you create a lot more freedoms and obvious benefits if you decide to grow something. But I do believe that if you, say, get to 80 grand a year and you think that's where I'm going to stick, the likelihood is you won't. If you're not doing the activity to keep that growth, let's say you lose two key customers and go down to 60 grand a year and you're not doing any growth activity, you'll never get back up to 80. Mm. And then you lose another two and now you're down at 40k whereas if you're at 18 you jump up to 120 and lose 20k you're back at 100 do you see what i mean so mm. that growth mentality i believe has to be there inherently in every business but your ambition might be different so the ambition to grow by 
10, 15, 20K a year is very different to a business that's trying to grow by 500,000 a million or you know 10 million or whatever big numbers are going on in the world. Mm. So it, it's the ambition side of it. But I do believe that you've got to have that growth mindset at, at all times. You've always got to be looking to continue to grow. Otherwise, you will die. Yeah. It, I just can't. I've never seen it. I've never experienced it for myself. Um, and the work involved in actually build, I think you said the other day, building a moat and protecting a business is probably in a way even harder than just going for it and continuing mm. to get clients and employ a, a, and move the business forward. Um, mm. In my opinion. Yeah. So then even, so even if you're, even if you want to stay at that 80 K and you don't, you don't need any more money, you don't want to take on staff, you know, that you still need to be doing some, as you say, like growth activities so that when, a client does drop off you've got another client to replace them so you can always be around that 80k threshold yeah. maybe give or take 10 percent because yeah. you know life and whatever yeah absolutely because if you're not doing that activity you'll just lose clients and that's the only way that can go whether that's one year five years or ten it's irrelevant you will lose those clients eventually because no one's a client with anyone forever mm. you know that doesn't really happen unless you unless you're British Telecom, you know, where we all have a phone line, you know, that that's kind of it, you know, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to maintain a business at that level, but people do get their satisfaction from level. They, you know, might sign 12 month contracts if they're consultants or coaches and find that level. But I think I've yet to meet anyone who really, who's not looking to try and grow. It's just their appetite to go after that growth. So um, it was like my old my old PE teachers used to tell me if it, when I was playing rugby, not, I, ne I never played rugby, but when we were at school doing rugby, was you will absolutely get hurt if you go half in on this tackle or you go 50% at it. And I think that's the problem. People go 50% rather than 100% of things. And mm -hmm. actually, you're more likely to get hurt at 50% of activity and 50% of, of trying and effort and work other than if you go 100%, you are much more likely to succeed and get where you want to go, obviously, mm -hmm. and likely to be hurt. So that kind of adage has always sat in my mind that, you know, you've got to be all in all of the yeah. time. Um, but playing not to lose sort of rears, rears its head in so many different ways, doesn't it? In where it might be a company that needs to employ, you know, hire number three or four. And because they haven't created the revenue yet, they don't hire them. And they won't take that risk for the first couple of months or just borrow three or four grand from the bank just to cover that shortfall to uh, employ that person and see it as an investment because they still believe mm. that our cost. Similarly with marketing, people not investing into their marketing and taking it seriously, that's playing not to win because the only way to win in business is with people and marketing, right? Mm. You, have, you don't have a business without people or marketing. And I say people with the people in the company, the clients and all the suppliers. Mm. You know, it's always people, always, always, always. And if you don't have marketing, so I can't remember who said this. It might, it's probably an American, maybe Henry Ford, somebody like that. But we, we know you can have a subpar or average product or service. But if you've got great marketing, you'll probably do pretty well and succeed. Mm. You could have the best products in the world, literally A1, top star best thing ever but if you don't market it it's utterly irrelevant and no one's ever going to buy it what's the point yeah yeah no, true. So, and and that you know this playing not to win 
comes in so many different ways. Um, the willingness to pick up the phone every day and make those hard calls to go and pitch a deal, to give something away, to get something in return, you know, another day to offer best advice without being paid for it, all that sort of stuff. Mm. How do you, how do you like figure out where your risk threshold is? Because like you can, you can voluntarily take on a risk by knowing what you want to achieve and kind of just knowing what the risks are and, and making that conscious decision to do that. Or the other, the other end of that, I guess, is you have no choice but to take that risk. Like, how do you figure out, do you think, where your attitude to risk is? Because I feel like I know where my financial risk mindset is, but I've always, I feel like I've always made a conscious decision to take on that risk rather than feeling like I've had no choice. Good question. I would say just from my experience is through doing is literally by every time I'm scared, worried, or finding it hard to make that decision to move forward, what I believe will be a good move forward, whether it's borrowing money or whatever it might be, I've decided to do it anyway, regardless of fear, do it anyway, and see where it takes me. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you should go out from from a micro business and borrow £150,000 leveraged against your house. That's not what I'm saying, right? It's being sensible. But if you're a small business and you have the option to get a £10,000 overdraft with your bank um, and you know there's some clients coming in the future and blah, 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 then yes, that that would be a sensible first step. You know, I'm not a financial advisor, but in its essence, that would be a good step to go. Well, if I can handle that risk, then I might in a year or two think that twenty five grand or hiring three people or investing in that marketing or whatever it is, then ups my appetite for risk, my tolerance for risk. Mm -hmm. So like between you and me, our tolerances are really different because of the experiences I've had against your experiences. You know, I, I had a, a, a good company, large-ish, and I got kicked in the face with it and lost everything. So, but my risk tolerance after that, it weirdly has probably increased again because I now know what it takes. So now I've got that confidence in myself. I know what we can do and how I can do it to make sure that never happens to me again in that way. Mm. So yeah. I've learned the lesson, and I think it just comes from just pushing yourself on mm. and doing it in the face of fear, you know, because no one really jumps out of an airplane without some fear not many people get on a stage without some fear. Not, you know, there's a lot of things we all do in life where we don't, you know, where there's a lot of fear involved, but we, we kind of do it anyway because we've assessed that risk for ourselves. Mm. Um, and it kind of comes in stages, I think, mate. Um, do you think you have to, like, do you think you have to go through something, something or something to happen to you in order to kind of not get over that fear of losing, but as you say, like increase your risk factor, because I guess if, if you're starting out with say Facebook advertising, your fear is if it doesn't work, I'm going to lose my money. Yeah. But is, is it better to actually put a hundred, 200 pounds at it and lose it to kind of get over that fear of losing? Cause now you know what it feels like and now it's going to push you to figure it out 
I mean, it will either push you to never do it again or it will push you. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully it would push you forward. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You should. My, my belief is it's taking Facebook marketing. Um, and I know you know this story because you helped me make the film all those years ago for that other company that I had, which we, we won't mention. Um, NDAs and all that. Um, that it took me probably five, six, seven thousand pounds and and three or four, five months of hard bloody work to actually get that into work for me. But the point was I knew I had to risk something. So I had to risk money and I had to risk my time, but I knew it would pay eventually. And it did. It went on to over its time that it ran for me. It got over one and a half million views. Um, and you know, top of my head number, it probably created me over five hundred thousand pounds in revenue across its period. So I knew, yes, it was risky and yes, I could have lost all that money, but it's going back to that 50% tackling, right? If I'd only gone half-assed and quit after two months, yeah, I've lost it. But I went all in. I went for it. I kept going. I kept going. All I had to do was keep tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Got it. There yeah. it is. Because nothing works first time. Yeah. What in marketing land works first time? Nothing I've ever seen, very rarely does it land and work instantly, overnight, straight away. And People do seem to work in this myth that, you know, oh, I've I've spent three hundred pounds on marketing on Facebook or LinkedIn. Absolutely nothing's happened. It doesn't work. It's not for me. No, 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 no. Shit, that's, that's just not right. Mm. No, what you need to do is go back and look at what you've got wrong. Go and speak to an expert. Tweak it and plow another three hundred quid in. Then you'll get it wrong again. Tweak it and put another three hundred quid in and invest back in yourself and yourself because nothing's ever wasted, is it? As you well know that. You're getting that branding play, even if you're not getting direct money out of it, you're getting a branding play from it. Mm. Um, and, and it's still investment into the business. Marketing is the investment side. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would, to answer your question, yeah, you 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 have to kind of go all in. You, you've got to um, believe that the outcome is well worth the, the short-term risks. Mm. You have to kind of be beaten up a little bit, don't you? In yeah. You do. I, mean, I think you know. You know. Obviously, you and I know each other so well now, and you know most. You know how it's been for me, and I wouldn't be who I am today without that. But similarly, on the same note, I've been through some pretty crap, some good crap. But on the same note, I wouldn't wish that on you. Mm. You know, I don't think that I don't think any less of you or anyone around me because they haven't had a failure and lost their house, mm. right? Yeah. Shit, get me wrong, mate. It really cuts you deep, doesn't it? Mm. Hurt when your children are like crying at home and your wife's in desperate stages. So, but it's made me who I am. But I do think I'm trying to word this really carefully because I don't want to wish this on anybody or make it some mantra that you must fail in business to be a better business person. Because I'm not sure that's a hundred percent right. But maybe people can listen and learn from others who have been through it because there's a lot of people being through it worse than i have mm. uh, you know i lost tens of thousands not millions mm. um but the point was i think where i'm trying to get to is it brought me back a different way i mm. came back tougher stronger like more determined more resilient more 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 i am not going to be beaten right yeah. and and we're we're in an amazing country maybe irrespective of where we are today on the 26th of March, but um, we're in a great country that actually you can't fall too far. Yeah. And that's the beauty of this country. Right? There is an amazing welfare system, NHS, all these different things that are superb, but actually you can't fall too far. What you really, what I actually lost was my luxuries, right? Mm -hmm. I lost my nice Mercedes um, and I, I lost eating at 
Waitrose food and buying fancy meals out, and I lost buying holidays and all of that. And but I still fed my children. We had a house and we were warm. Um, and you know, it wasn't in reality that bad. I just lost luxuries. Yeah. Um, and so I guess when you, actually you learn from your failures anyway, whether it's yeah. a big, not necessarily failure, but a big kind of kick in the teeth, or whether yeah. it's failure like okay, this Facebook ad didn't work, or I could have handled that sales call differently and actually won that job, or maybe my proposal could have been better. Like yeah. you also have to have those. I think Gary Vee talks a lot about those kind yeah. of taking the failures and taking the losses, and but depending on how big or small those. those they are. are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's losses there. Do you know? I mean, the thing is, we fail all the bloody time, right? I mean, you know, you think how many how many times you've all went on various dates or. You know, you've asked for something to happen and someone said no or a computer said no. You know, we're failing all the time in small, medium and large ways. And it's being able to accept that. And I think I've got I've got much more accepting of it. I don't take it as a a personal sort of blight on me anymore. I just know it's just something that's going on around me. And if I fail at something or something fails me, then mm. often it's just out of my control and therefore why worry about it? If I can't control it, why would I want to worry about that? If I've done, in my mind, my best and presented myself as well as I can, then that's it. That's all I can do, right? Because I can only control me, nothing else really. Um, but you've got to fail in one way or another. You know, we've all lost a pitch. We've all, you know, interviewed someone and they've turned us down on a job or, you know, whatever it might be. They're, you have to get comfortable with that to break through these ceilings and, and live in that mindset of growth, mm. um, you know, cause we'll probably fail more than we actually win. Mm -hmm. But if you only fail five times and win once, I would rather fail a hundred times, but win 40. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going to fail more to win more. It's all respective. Mm. What about, there's an interesting thing about like when you're first starting out, like maybe, you know, maybe, you know, you lost the business and you started again, or maybe you decided to quit your full-time job and start a business. Like there's an interesting thing there because technically you have nothing to lose at that point, but yeah. there's an interesting like mindset there of kind of fearing failure and having to go back. So I guess <laughs> I've never really had a job, which is weird, but <laughs> I guess if you just made that decision to quit your job, at a company and become a you know become self-employed the worst thing that you, that in your mind that can probably happen is you have to go back to a job so like how do you obviously some people will go completely gun ho and go cool i'm in it let's do it like if you're a little bit more cautious but you've made that that amazing decision to kind of go right i'm going to try this myself how do you then kind of get over that fear of it's not necessarily fear of losing but that fear of like failing yeah kind of going back to where you were yeah it's interesting because that comes down to the individual and often that yeah. has that that feeling because i have been there goes one of two ways it eat either cripples you makes you too scared too worried therefore the first tiny little thing that goes wrong you're back to getting your full-time job and you're out and you go oh it doesn't work i can't do it. it's not for me Mm. or that feeling motivates some people the other way and they go absolutely no way am I going back to work what I, I am just going to make this happen no matter what it takes so if I have to pick up the phone 50 times a day that's what I will do if I have to go to 20 meetings tomorrow 
That is what I will do. So they have this mentality of I am not going to be beaten. I am so highly motivated and so um, determined to make this work that they'll do whatever it takes. And guess who tends to win? It's the people that have gone 100% in rather mm. than playing not to lose. So that sense of that rugby tackle, they've hit it properly. They've done it right. So therefore, they've created the activity and they've started to create the business that they actually want. Because it is all out there. There is business for everyone. I mean, I always believe there is more than enough money in this world for all of us. Um, there is plenty of opportunity for absolutely everybody. It always comes down to who's determined enough and who's brave enough to go into the world and ask for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we both know, listening to people like Grant Cardone, you know, that sense of, you know, it's always 10 times more than you expect it to be. So if you're starting a business, to answer your question from zero, and you think, if I send out five emails and connect a few people on LinkedIn and have a coffee, that's going to suddenly create your business doing 100 grand a year. You are sorely bloody mistaken. Mm. Yeah. You need five phone calls an hour. You need yeah. 500 emails a week. You need 20 coffees a week. You need to be meeting, meeting, talking, talking, selling, selling, pitching, pitch. End yeah. off. Well, yeah. you're never there. You can't do it. Um, so it does sort the wheat from the chaff, actually, a little bit. Mm. It does start to separate people out. Um, but there's still ways around that, though, for starting from zero. Well, I guess you could take it because I like a lot of people get quite overwhelmed, and I get overwhelmed sometimes. Yeah, Um, I guess, as you say, like you need lots amount of activity, but maybe breaking it down into less overwhelming steps that feel obtainable is a good starting point. So if you need to make 100 calls a week, if that was your goal, that's a shitload of calls and you might freak out. But if you work out that that's actually, and I'm probably going to get the maths wrong, but let's say 15 calls a day, yeah, that's right. then a bit more kind of like, okay, I can yeah. probably do that. Absolutely. So it, exactly that, isn't it? It's that classic breaking it down into bite-sized yeah. chunks. So, yeah, exactly, mate. I, if we had to make 100 calls a week, each of us, I'd say, well, let's just focus on each morning and mm-hmm. make 15 to 20 calls. That's all we've got to achieve. If we do that in the morning, job done. And then we'll just do the same in the afternoon, job done. And mm-hmm. it's that, you know, it's that sort of, um, you know, to, to climb Everest, you've got to get to base camp. You've got to do those little bits. you just got to do step at a time, bit by bit by bit, um, and work on it. I think that's pretty common knowledge through most sort of business businesses and people. I think they understand this idea of taking smaller steps to get to the bigger, to bigger end result. But it's interesting how many people don't even take the smaller steps when mm-hmm. it's something they don't like doing. And in business, as we both know, a lot of micro companies are started because somebody has a passion for a thing, not the business, right? So like you being a videographer, you've got a clear passion for videography, you're bloody amazing at it. But then all, I mean, it's lucky for you because you're a good salesperson but uh, a marketeer, but there's most people cannot sell at all when i mean sell open close quotes not being half a daily but actually just even holding a, a sensible conversation with someone and then asking for some money to do a job um yeah. most people really can't do their marketing for themselves which they don't bother with it and they then use the excuse of i use word of mouth yeah brilliant mm-hmm. um you know if i build it they will come nah. <laughs> no <laughs> no that doesn't work either keep going um so it it is still actually a dilemma of having to learn how to be in business over and above the thing that you 
do. And then even then breaking that back down into chunks because sales isn't what it used to be marketing can be done literally from our from our front rooms right you can market to the globe from your yeah. kitchen table i mean like when was there ever a time in history that you could do that i mean it's insane really mm-hmm. if you and i put our minds to it we could reach you know ten thousand dentists across the uk with mm-hmm. a well-targeted ad and probably have that done within the hour you yeah. know it's like it's insane actually and i just don't think really people are getting it mm. or, or certainly a big majority just don't mm. seem getting it and doing it and then wondering why their businesses aren't going the way they hoped and planned yeah so really I guess, playing not to lose or playing to win it does kind of drill down to marketing and sales doesn't it because obviously well, obviously every, every department in a business is is really important but if you if you kind of go drill it down, it does come down to your ability to find people to give you money and then convince them to give you money. And then I guess the third part of that would be then treat them so well they don't leave. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And that the marketing and the way I like to think about it sometimes is it is a company earning the right to make a recommendation to a client or a prospect or an opportunity, however you prefer to call them at that stage. So the marketing is just building the credibility, um, building the, the trust, the the fact that you can solve that person's problem or supply them whatever product or service it is that they're thinking of and you will do it better than the rest um, or at least allow them to feel that you'll do it better than the rest and they want to work with you. And that's just earning a right. That's just getting the attention to earn the right to then talk to them about it. And, you know, we've talked about it's loads, haven't we? That sales just isn't what people seem to think it is. No. And I, I, you know, I've spent 25, 30 years in sales in all sorts of manners and cars and advertising and jeans and, oh, my goodness, I've platforms, websites, oh I've sold everything. But the point is, I think why learn especially in the last 10 15 years is it's more just about talking to people you've mm. got to take them on a journey but um people certainly now aren't responding to hardcore sales messages or you know you just, just got to respect them and take them on a journey to see if you're going to actually fulfill their needs mm. properly and then offer it um mm. yeah it's a very different landscape than it ever has been mm. um but yeah i mean to your point mate the the marketing is the key bit yeah. So really, small businesses, and to a certain extent, or much larger businesses, obviously, is the marketing should be the first thing you get up every day and think about. What can I do today to get myself in front of another 30, 40, 50, 100 people? You know, who who's the best person for me to ring now? Who should I email now? Who do I, what newsletter can I send out today? What what ad can I place in the world? Do I need to tweak my Google ads? What Facebook, what, you know, that they really should be a lot of the first questions that people are thinking about each day. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? But it often is the last thing people are asking themselves. Yeah. That's, that's, that's playing lots of, they're just too scared of it, whatever reason. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the launch podcast. Hope you found it useful. Um, if you're looking for more tips, tricks and insight, into all things marketing, sales, business, entrepreneurship, mindset, or creativity, then head over to the launchpad on www.walkline.co.uk forward slash launchpad. And I will see you on the next one. See you later.